If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle Lynch and Matt Beck. And today, in to answer the, the never-ending question of, will Side Mission finish the Twisted Metal review series? Yes, we will. We're getting one episode closer every week. Not every week. That's a lie. Every few weeks, we're getting one episode closer. Uh, but good news, fellas. I, I, I want to brag on myself here a little bit. I did finally finished watching the series earlier today as of recording this on uh, on wednesday the 6th let's go uh i'm very i'm very proud of myself for finishing it i wish we could just review all three episodes in one sitting but we're not gonna do that so here we go with episode eight and we kind of talked about it fellas before we got on here and i think that this was a solid episode as a whole it gives us a little bit more insight to one of the factions, the Holy Men, that we saw earlier in the series and uh, earlier in the season, I should say. And I remember back when we were first introduced to them that we weren't given much insight to them, you know, how they worked, what their what their interactions or what kind of their beliefs were. We weren't really given much insight, and I said that I hoped that we were given more. And boy, were we! And <laughs> I can safely say I did not imagine that what we got about the Holy Men was what we would get or what their beliefs were or what we would get. But I think it's time to talk about it a little bit. So, Kyle, the Holy Men, which based on some things I had seen on Twitter, a lot of people were concerned that they were just at first that they were just going to be your typical Christianity based cult where, oh, Christianity bad, everything else good. Um, definitely not what the holy men are. Uh, let's talk about it, Kyle, because I thought it was very interesting how, uh, they completely, I don't want to say flipped the script on kind of what the holy men shtick is, but I think that it's really interesting that they believe that they are the gods and that the females or the women that are involved in the cult are goddesses. Uh, it's a really interesting dynamic, Kyle. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... That, you know, when they first talked about the holy men, like you said, immediately I thought, oh, there's going to be some preacher guys who are all about, you know, doing this because, you know, it's the second coming or it's, you know, the apocalypse is somehow religious related or whatever. And I do like that they completely flipped it, like you said. Um, now, the leader of the holy men, the preacher, I am not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. Um, cause I don't know how, but I love, uh, him. He's a great voice actor. He does a lot of work and, you know, a lot of animated stuff. Um, he's been in Big Mouth, Invincible. Um, was he also, uh, Kyle, you've watched, was he also a, a side like character in Parks and Rec? He was, like he was the, yep. He was the cologne guy, the really douchey cologne guy in Parks and Rec. Yes. He, yes. Anytime he's in a show, I can pick out his voice like he he just has one of those very distinct voices and so when he came on screen i said ah shit i know what we're in for and i i will say that you know this show has not been afraid to get raunchy before 
Never in my life did I hear... I thought that I would hear somebody say, I'm gonna fuck this car. <laughs> what was that? What was that whole scene? They were like, you guys want me to fuck this car? Yeah! I'm gonna fuck this car! And then John Doe got all jealous. He's like, oh, so you wanna fuck the car? I see. What in the hell was that? What in the fuck was that? That was the most raunchy, just stupid shit. It was funny, though. Oh, man, that was so wild. That was so wacky. I think that, like, I'm with you in that I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. That is a hard name to try to pronounce. But I, I think that every moment he was on screen, I was like, this is a character I need more of. And I hate that, spoiler alert, we're not going to get more of him in all likelihood. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, we guess, you know, the, the whole thing is we don't see a body, but... True, true. Like, I, you know, and I, that's that's... I will say that for something that happens later on in episode 10, early on, there's another body that we don't see, I don't believe, that I'm not willing to just right off in terms of another character death but Mm -hmm. unless i'm mistaken and i just wasn't paying attention earlier when i was watching which is very very a very realistic possibility but i i loved every moment he was on screen i thought he was hysterical and specifically when he and john doe fight and the whole thing of like him doing like cocaine and that (laughs) making him like (laughs) making him almost like superhero like popeye with a spinach like it was awesome and I, I will say this I, I feel like i say this once an episode when we talk about twisted metal there was another joke this is a complete 180 there's another joke involving cocaine that had me screaming and i had to pause the episode because of it it was when that that random member of the holy man walks up to john doe and quiet when they're undercover and he brings them those drinks and they were like jack and you know, he's like oh jack and coke nothing beats a good jack and coke and quiet goes what's the crunchy bits he goes that's the coke that that was one of my favorite jokes and again that's one that's a top five joke for me in the show i thought that was hysterical but i thought that the other like interesting thing is like so normally with cults like this and, and i'm not i'm not saying anything as far as what i believe or what christianity believes or what have you normally you see these religious based cults the the men are the leaders and the women are kind of the ones that defer it was a really interesting dynamic that the men sure are the ones that go out and like do like the dirty work. They do like the grimy stuff. They go out and they, they, they hunt for supplies or they find gifts, so to speak, um, for the preacher. But when it comes to the dynamic back at the camp, they're not allowed to speak unless the goddesses tell them they can. And again, it's just, it's one of those where it's the whole dynamic was so weird and so funky that, I don't know. It was like a bad car wreck. I almost couldn't look away. I was cringing, but I was fully invested into like learning more about this this cult. So I I do think that the way they did the holy men was really really interesting, and that sounds like I'm saying it in a negative way. I don't really think I feel positive or negative about it. I feel like I'm kind of just squarely in the middle of huh. It's certainly intriguing, and I would certainly not mind seeing more of them. And a few of them do escape in the end. So that's. You know, an interesting that's an interesting side bit as well. Matt, haven't heard from you yet. And I know at this point it feels like we're probably like eight or nine, ten minutes into this episode and we haven't heard you talk at all. We've heard you laugh a little bit. Um there there was some interesting character stuff between John Doe and Quiet in this episode as well. And I think that you kind of sense that Quiet at this point in the show is starting to question why the hell is this guy so attached to this car? And we do get a bit of backstory on that as well. We, we see kind of the remnants of John Doe waking up and him not really knowing where he is, who he is, 
why he is where he is, where his parents are as a kid. We see that, and then he finds Evelyn, his car, and we kind of see, again, the beginning of that bond, so to say. I'm throwing heavy air quotes because I'm getting, like, my strange addiction vibes with the dude that was in love with his car. I'm getting that kind of vibe from this. Um, but I feel like there was some good character stuff here, Matt. Yeah, um, they did a great job kind of going into a little bit more depth and detail about John's attachment to Evelyn. And I thought, again, we talked about this last time, they don't really force a lot of flashbacks. This one did have a decent amount, but it was still, I think it still carried on the story, considering, you know, the conclusion to this episode and what happens. So it was really, really good that they went back and they covered exactly what makes Evelyn so special to John. So uh, when John was a kid, you know, he basically was trying to reach for a peach, I believe, and he ends up falling into the bush below. And he ends up landing on Evelyn, which is, you know, covered in overgrowth. And we, there's no telling how long this car has been there. Um, you know, and that's basically how he finds Evelyn. And then we kind of go a little bit forward another flashback after we go back to present time. And John is basically being ambushed by, what is it, cannibals? <clears throat> I believe and, so. um, yeah. um, What happens is, you know, Evelyn has not been starting since John found it. Like, you know, he's tried. And to, to know what Bell, like, this car has just been here for far too long to start. Like, there's absolutely no way. But he jumps into Evelyn after he's running from the cannibals and he starts you know, just some stroke of luck. He starts the car and Evelyn starts and he manages just to get away. So in his, in his eyes, what he is seeing is that Evelyn saved him. Like Evelyn's not just a car. John doesn't have anything at this point. You know, his parents are gone. Like he does his, his whole family is gone. And, um, you know, all he has is Evelyn. And, you know, just when he was in his final moments, you know, being chased by cannibals, you don't think you're going to escape something like that. I know I can't. I can't run. <laughs> so, yeah, Evelyn starts, and he manages to get away, and then that just kind of shows why he's so attached to Evelyn. Evelyn is the one thing he has. Evelyn saved his life. And, you know, there's just something about a boy in his car. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a tell as old as time. And I think they did a really good job conveying all of that and why, you know, Quiet struggles so much to understand, especially because when we get to a certain point... You know, John's going to make a decision, and it's going to really affect Quiet. <clears throat> well, so here's kind of where my my critique comes in, right? Like, I, I understand, and I think that the episode does a solid job as a whole of kind of explaining that, well, Quiet doesn't really understand it, and, you know, John Doe, he, he doesn't really, there's no real way for him to explain it, I guess. Well, I say that, I'm about to contradict to that last part. I feel like if she didn't ask or didn't inquire about, like, why, it's just a... She says multiple times, it's just a fucking car. And I feel like if those lines don't exist, if she never asks about it, then I kind of understand why it's never explained to her. But she asks multiple times what his deal is, and John Doe really doesn't explain. And I feel like that's something you can explain right, to somebody. Right. Is, hey, when I was when I was younger and when I was in need and this car that I, you know, was living out of it never started... All of a sudden, when I needed it most, it started and it allowed me to stay alive and survive to make it to this day. I feel like you could, obviously, you could explain that a little bit more in depth, but I feel like he could have explained that and you avoid kind of the conflict at the end of the episode where 
you know, John Doe loses to the preacher in that fight where, you know, he challenges him to a face-off or whatever it is, a showdown, whatever it is they they call it in the show. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact term. I think it might have been just face-off or showdown. But he loses to him, and he gets put in this cage and quite, you know, beats a dude's ass, takes a pretty good ass beating herself as well in the fight to, you know, break him out, and tells him, like, hey, we've got another car, we can get out of here, we can, we can continue the, the delivery, and we can make it back in time to, you know, can, you know, to have your place in New San Francisco. And he is dead set on getting Evelyn out of there. And they, she ends up screaming at him and saying, like, hey, you, you keep saying it's we, but there's no we, it's just a car, I've, I've, you know, done whatever I can to help you, and you're not, you know, he essentially doesn't give a shit about it, is what Quiet is trying to say. Again, can't remember the exact line of dialogue, but here we are. Um, and again, this is a great opportunity for him to explain, and he just doesn't explain. And it just kind of, the, the whole argument just wouldn't happen. And again, it feels like plot details that are left out for the sake of just that argument and for the sake of that moment, that movement of the plot. And for me, I feel like you could have avoided that with just him not being, it's the last Jedi thing all over again. So much conflict in Star Wars, the last Jedi could be avoided if characters just fucking communicated. That's that. That's it's. It's like a. It's like everybody's in a bad relationship that doesn't communicate. That's literally what the issue is here. Is that they're not communicating well with each other. So, uh, I will say, Kyle, I did not expect to be emotionally moved by a car exploding like I was Evelyn at the end of this episode. I did not expect that to actually have some kind of impact. But I think that that says a lot about the show, the writing, and where the, we are at this point in the season that they managed to make an inanimate object exploding an emotional moment. Why these motherfuckers at Peacock got me over here crying over a car? Over a car? Bro, that was the saddest moment. Oh my, I was like, why am I actually upset? It's just a damn car, but you were right. They really made that an emotional moment, and I thought that that was where some of that genius shone, like just peeked through because the way that, you know, they set the whole scene. And also, I, I feel like, you know, it had such heavy implications on the fact that John Doe went back, decided to abandon Quiet for nothing because his car got blown up in the end. And... Man, I mean, it was a heavy scene. It's crazy because you know, the only person that died was a vehicle. But I will say, though, that it was 100% done with purpose. And I won't spoil anything, but it, it wasn't in vain. I think that it was a good decision, um, having seen the whole series, even though... This was an original vehicle outside of the Twisted Metal universe, and it, you know, had backstory with the character himself. I think that this really is a turning point for John Doe, where he's, you know, sees that the only thing he has in this world is quiet now. He doesn't even have his car, and he just abandoned her. You know, he's alone. He's completely alone right now. He has nothing. The holy man just took the preacher who's all burnt his shit and left. You know, he, he quiet's gone. He's all by himself. And I, I gotta say, they did a good job in giving these characters some arc and really showing 
you know, if you go back and watch the first couple episodes, it's not even that they, you know, hate each other. It's that they just don't care about anything or anybody but themselves. And here we are in episode eight. We're seeing a real, you know, because you see immediately after the car blows up and John Doe's kind of, you know, sitting there, you see the immediate regret on his face and no words are spoken. And, and the feelings you feel, you just, you can tell he feels like shit. He feels like he just fucked up. It was yep. a great scene. I think that, you know, the the entire fight and the car explosion scene are what make this episode because the rest of it was pretty raunchy. It was really just, you know, raunchy jokes. But those two scenes I thought were incredible. Very, very well done. Yeah, I agree. I think that, again, it, it all goes back to the whole argument of they, they managed to make a car exploding. They managed to turn Evelyn into a character by doing that. They managed to turn a car into a character of the show, which... I mean, obviously, the car is the most imp important part of any of the Twisted Metal games, but that's really impressive from where the show started to where it is now. It's really impressive they're able to evoke that kind of feeling out of out of people watching it, out of an inanimate object, you know, being blown up. So I do like that you kind of hinted at what we're going to see when we talk about Episode Nine, because obviously it was done with purpose, and it wasn't done for nothing. But... We're going to leave that for next episode. Matt, is there anything that we missed that you would like to wrap us up with? I think one thing that I want to mention is how, um, you know, how Quiet and John Doe separate in this episode again is, you know, because you know he's choosing Evelyn over her. And, you know, I think that I like that we're starting to see more that, you know, Quiet doesn't want to be alone anymore. You know, she doesn't want to lose another partner as, you know, she, you know, she put it. So I like the fact that we've got a little bit more insight on Quiet and that, you know, just how much she has attached herself to John. Yep. And I will tell you right now, I don't care if it's in present day or the post-apocalyptic future. There ain't nothing in this world that's getting me to separate from Stephanie Beatrice, if you know what I mean. There is. <laughs> 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 John... Anthony Mackie and John Doe are two different people, obviously, but John Doe's a fucking idiot for that, okay? It doesn't take him long in episode nine to find her, and we'll, we'll talk more about that next week, but I, ugh, there, I, that's a fumbling of epic proportions right there, him, him separating from her. Come on, man, but I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode, so that'll do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Kyle, for Matt, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.